Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. All right, we'll start it now. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. That is Marcus Parks. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, I have to say, wow, unbelievable. We are on uh, new and noteworthy. We're on the front page of iTunes, which is pretty amazing. That's Good job, great. Marcus. Uh, you did it. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. I mean, that's unbelievable. And we finally beat Glenn Beck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We did it. We beat Glenn Liberal Strange Maddow back. I don't know what the hell is going on with that man's transition. He's the Rachel Dolezal of of political thinkers. He's just identifying as a liberal now, I guess. Uh, Whatever it might be. Anyway, thank you guys so much um, for all the support and for listening. That really means the world to us. Um, So what a week. I mean, the reality show president-elect, he is living up to everything that we kind of thought he would be doing. Yeah. He currently has a feud going with a <laughs> cast of a musical theater uh, Broadway show called Hamilton, and he also has a feud with a sketch comedy show called Saturday Night Live. Those are the two most important issues burning up the mind <laughs> of Donald Trump, or at the very least, burning up his Twitter feed. Yeah, and uh, he is the 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 thing the, the the Hamilton thing that that is the tone of these tweets is much the of the Hamilton tweets. Those are pretty on point. That's pretty on brand. Sure, uh, because uh, it's apologize, apologize. The, 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 uh, uh, Exclamation point. Uh, there's a nice, like, little side shades, like the cast and producers of Hamilton, which I hear is highly overrated. Uh-huh. Should immediately apologize to Mike Pence for their <laughs> terrible behavior. He actually wrote a third one that he deleted uh-huh. uh, that was about how they couldn't even remember their lines. Uh, but you know, the Saturday Night Live one is him saying, it is totally one-sided by a show, nothing funny at all. Equal time for us? Equal time for us. You know, it's interesting because... Uh, What's the name of the fellow? Uh, what's the name? The main man behind Saturday Night Live, the creator, Lord Michaels. Lord Michaels, of course. Lord Michaels. He actually got a lot of heat after the election of Donald Trump mm-hmm. um, because people thought Saturday Night Live was too easy on him. Yeah, they were too way too easy. They were upset for too long. For, uh, well, that was uh, some people's perspective anyway. And uh, you know, just letting him host the show, a lot of people thought that that was uh, that 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 put him over the edge and that helped him to victory. I mean, it certainly put him in the living rooms of. Of every single American on Saturday night at 11.30 p.m. Um, there's no denying that. Did it help him? I'm not sure if that was Lauren Michaels' intention. There was a great chance that he could have failed miserably, and frankly, I kind of think he did. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember people being like, Donald Trump hosted SNL. He's the new Eddie Murphy. He's the funniest <laughs> human being to ever exist. You know, I don't remember that occurring. No. I, I remember the cell phone uh, parody video that he created and things like that. So it is funny that uh, Donald Trump goes after Saturday Night Live, he doesn't understand. He's already won. Yeah. You're the president-elect, bro. You don't have to worry about anything. You, I mean, SNL is beneath you, theoretically. But in his mind, it, uh, it is not. Is this what he's going to be doing every Saturday? Like, you Is know, he going to be watching Saturday Night Live every single Saturday and just waiting to see what they say about him and then tweeting it out? Like, Is it going to be a kind of... Is it? Is it? It's feuds. Like he's having feuds he with with feuds. In, with entertainment figures. You know, because that's where he's more comfortable. He's so much more yeah. comfortable in the entertainment. 
entertainment world because he's been in the entertainment sure, world. Sure, and he so knows long. these people personally. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. does. He knows these people. Uh, so this is where he's comfortable. Uh, and it's amazing because it goes, the tweets go straight from talking about how much he hates Saturday Night Live to talking about his new. Uh, Immigration the, the, or something no, like that. No, the nominee for uh, the Secretary of Defense. This is General James Mad Dog Mattis, who is being considered for Secretary of Defense, was very impressive yesterday. Mm. A true general's general. It, it, you know, his Twitter feed is interesting. Uh, it, we talk about it on a regular basis. People having a more difficult time understanding what's significant, what's relevant, what's important, and what's just fluff nonsense. And his Twitter feed is a perfect, uh, it's the personification of that. It is literally SNL sucks. I don't like I don't like the comedy group. Uh, I don't like sketch comedy on SNL or Hamilton sucks. Then talking about someone who will be in charge of a the largest military on the face of the planet. These these should not be side by side on a Twitter feed, um, but of course they are nowadays. And speaking of important issues, later on in this episode, we have a great interview with a listener, Louis Lara. Uh, he is a Chicago resident. He is originally from El Salvador, and he is one of the children... Um, under DACA, which is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Uh, it is a uh, program put in place by Barack Obama and his administration, uh, allowing individuals who come from foreign countries to stay here legally if they register with the U.S. government. So, um, And we'll we get into detail on what Trump's rhetoric and what his immigration plans uh, will actually do to somebody like his life. There's 750,000 people currently enrolled in DACA, and Donald Trump has promised to immediately deport 2.5 million individuals of course, I would like to hear the outrage when Barack Obama was doing it over these past eight years, but I digress. Um, so that'll be later on in the show, a great interview with just a, uh, a normal, typical American man who happens to be uh, not from here, from El Salvador. He's been in this country for over 15 years. And uh, as, you'll sell, as you'll tell from the interview, he is just as... Just a, just as normal and average as everybody else. Yeah. He is just one of us, and uh, and we uh, should not be treating others like others. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, so that that interview is coming up a little bit later. But let's get back to what's happening over here uh, with this week. We talked a little bit about some appointments. Um, it turns out uh, Secretary of State is currently up. For grabs still, uh, Nikki Haley has been mentioned. Mitt Romney has even been mentioned. And how funny is that, this man Mitt Romney, how... Uh, you know how quickly we forget Mitt Romney gave what was thought to be or want or expected to be or hoped people hoped it would be the speech to derail Donald Trump yeah and it didn't work at all <laughs> as a matter of fact people were like oh Mitt Romney doesn't like you I'm gonna check out this Trump character he seems pretty cool yeah we said that before he even gave the speech we right. said that I remember they announced on Sunday that he was gonna do the speech on Monday and we said it that Sunday it's like this is gonna do nothing but help him absolutely like, the more uh it was just that that's how what happened the entire time. The more establishment people came out against him, yep. thinking like, oh, this is going to be the knockout punch. This is going to be the knockout mm -hmm. punch. If he could attack John McCain and still come out oh, the other yeah. side alive, then there was nobody that he was going to attack, or there was nobody that was going to come out against him that was going to do any harm to him whatsoever. No, and specifically not somebody like Mitt Romney, who ran such a horrendous campaign in 2012. Um, I mean, Barack Obama wasn't the most vulnerable uh, incumbent of all time, but he certainly did have some vulnerabilities that uh, Mitt Romney should have been able to expose, but he didn't court that Republican base that Donald Trump was able to find like a truffle hog, finds in a truffle. <laughs> he was able to find and discover this sort of uh, really strong, uh, you know, fervent uh, group of supporters that were previously, uh, you know, they, they felt as if previously disenfranchised, even mm -hmm. though it's difficult to see how they... You know, it's difficult to understand fully how they feel that way, but I also do understand there's millions and millions of people working extremely hard in this country that didn't feel as if there was a government representation. Uh, they weren't being represented, and, and Trump was able to find them. But, I can see there's plenty. I can see why there's plenty of people out there who felt yes. uh, uh, not represented by any sort of like political party. I can I can absolutely see that. Absolutely. So, but the fact that Mitt Romney is now in the running for Secretary of State is kind of fascinating, yeah. and it does. I know we can we will we will do some dumping on Trump, mm -hmm. uh, but this actually does make me have a little bit of respect for Trump's understanding 
of when you're running a political campaign, he did treat it like a sport. Yeah. You know, this is sort of like the after the game, I'm victorious, you lost the game, let's shake hands type thing for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. It does show a little bit of class to have somebody like Mitt Romney come in. And he would be, I don't think he would be a bad Secretary of State, quite frankly. I don't think Nikki Haley would be a bad Secretary of State. Of course, Nikki Haley, um, she endorsed Marco Rubio. Hardcore. She is of Indian descent, I mm -hmm. believe. She's a she is a first generation. Her parents are from India, um, and she was hated Donald Trump. I mean, really went after him and did her press conferences with Marco Rubio. And so it's interesting um, to see these people sort of come back into the fold. And it's also kind of fascinating. And I would like to hear our viewers' uh, thoughts on this. If you go to the Able Against Top at Facebook page, is this does this just mean they're just spineless? If you're Nikki Haley, <laughs> if you're Mitt Romney, and, and it's like, uh, this man is so dangerous, we can't trust him with the nuclear codes, he's going to blow up the entire world. Oh, what was that? You have a job for me? Oh, <laughs> I mean, never mind. Are they Ted Cruz, or are they working on the inside to try to minimize damage? Uh, because well, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that's how they're seeing it, is that if we, it's better to have somebody in there who will tell him no, rather than somebody in there who's going to tell him to say yes to absolutely everything, because all, most of his ideas are going to be terrible. Uh, and if you've got people in yeah. there that are just going to be yes men someone like say a Rudy Giuliani that's just going to go along with everything that he says uh, then that is extremely dangerous he needs to build a team of rivals as but they say it does seem as if he is open to that yeah. and I think that that is kind of an interesting phenomenon I mean is he actually open to it or is he just making feints towards it and making does, it look like he's yeah. open to it well we don't know we we obviously we're, we're not inside I mean the little information I do have about what's happening with the inner workings of the Trump campaign is that he is going to continue to run it like a corporation. And the one thing about corporations, I mean, we all agree that they are heartless, they are cold, they are, you know, no longer, um, you know, if you are working in a corporation, they will cut your ass on a Monday if you've been there for 30 years, they don't care. Um, but the one thing they do do is understand process and how to get an end result. And so that seems to be how he is building his cabinet and the, the administration as a whole. But I don't you know, know what their end result is. Well, I, I think that's my biggest problem right now with the Trump campaign yeah. or with the Trump presidency. I don't know what their goal well, is. Let me tell you this. The Freedom Party was about to get rid of Paul Ryan. Mm -hmm. The Freedom Party is a small coalition inside the Republican Party. And, you know, it's funny because we talk about how it is a two-party system, and it is. Um, but there are these small coalitions within, mm -hmm. you know, all of the uh, of the major brands. They got little offshoot brands, like little uh, like lakefront breweries, and uh, you know, or, no, that's River West. That's a great beer, by the way, in Milwaukee, <laughs> Wisconsin. River West Brewery, check it out. Um, but you know, like uh, like Goose Island or something. Mm -hmm. It's also an InBev thing. Anyway, so uh, the they really wanted to get Paul Ryan out of there, the Freedom Caucus. And had Trump lost, they would have. But Trump told them to, to to squash it. Paul Ryan will maintain the Speaker of the House, and in order to prove that he was serious about that he put Reince up as obvious uh, you know to be um to be the old head there so it is uh and Reince Priebus and and, uh, and Paul Ryan are best friends mm -hmm. so he does want stability he wants he does he is trying to bring a level uh, a sense of security specifically to the Republican party and you can see that with again people like Mitt Romney yeah uh we mentioned on the uh, on last week's episode uh, uh, General Flynn, Michael Flynn, he has found a position in the uh, in the Donald Trump White House. He, um, you know, a lot of people think he's a loose cannon. His 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 rhetoric uh, towards Muslims are, are is quite divisive and uh, and hostile yeah. to say the least. He tweeted, "Fear of Muslims is rational. Please forward this to others. The truth fears no questions." Yeah. And then he called Islam a radical ideology, a cancer and said the Islamic world is a failure. And, of course, in Alabama, there was a recently a law that was uh, actually, ironically enough, used to deter Klansmen from uh, from marching the streets, but now they're going to try to uh, adapt that uh, regarding burqas mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, so he was a controversial figure. He also was accused of mishandling uh, classified information on more than one occasion. I believe it was two, as a matter of fact. And <laughs> so he is... Kind of like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yes, in other words. The hypocrisy so, so is there. Kind of, so almost so exact. So he hired someone for this job 
who did the exact same thing that he said his opponent should be locked up for. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say kind of on that You're one. You're going to say kind of, sort of, maybe? Kind of, sort of, maybe. Sort Does of that maybe. get me out of this? Yeah, or, yeah, no, kind of, sort of, maybe. Okay, okay. He was also one of the first generals to um, uh, to support Donald Trump because yeah. he was sort of ousted. The The Obama administration didn't didn't uh, particularly care for him, and I don't think the military doesn't uh, particularly love him either. Um, but because the, the strange bedfellows that Donald Trump was able to cobble together during his campaign, now Michael Flynn is uh, his political his uh, his military career is is better than ever. And now, what position did they actually give him? Uh, national security advisor. Okay, so he's a national security advisor to the President of the United States. Um, he's extremely hawkish. We will see if uh, if Donald Trump um, backtracks on a lot of his ideas when it comes to nation building, which he said he was opposed to um, in contradiction to Hillary and Libya and things like that. Obviously, Donald Trump also said he's going to bomb the shit out of ISIS. Um, so we'll see if he ends up becoming extremely hawkish on foreign policy or what he uh, or, or if, if he's more of an isolationist with the, which is also something that a lot of people believe uh, he could be and speaking of uh, isolationism speaking of globalism later on in the show we do have a very special guest Alex Jones <laughs> will be joi- joining us and we're going to talk about the interesting phenomenon that's happened to Alex Jones because at this point he is the mouthpiece for the government <laughs> he, he is he won he won he got, the, he got there he got here what happened to the boy who got every Everything he wanted. I, do, I guess he lived he died. happily ever after, Ben. Oh, I thought it was diabetes. And then he <laughs> lost all of his toes after drinking so much celebration champagne. It is so funny to think about Alex Jones. Uh-huh. He is a statist. Yeah. He is. There is no way he can demonize the U.S. government anymore. Where does he even go from here? He becomes a propagandist. He's already started it. Oh, uh, my God. It's so Unbelievable! Yeah, he he is going to be an amazing propagandist. I've already seen some of the stuff that he's starting in on now. Because you know, uh, last week Google, it came out and Google said that they're going to try to start cracking down on these fake news yes. sites. Which this, I mean, people say fake news. It is propaganda. Sure. I mean, that that's totally. what this is. Uh, I mean, it, there are sites that straight out lie about uh, certain events. They, say, they lie and say that, you know, something happened when it didn't actually happen. Uh, it gets twenty to 30,000 shares uh, on Facebook. Uh, and of course, those things, that, that shit doesn't stay on Facebook. When somebody nope. uh, says that shit, when they share that stuff, uh, it gets popped in their heads and then they go out and they talk about it with their friends and it gets, you know, rumped up in their uh, echo chamber as hard as it possibly can and that shit just sticks in there. Uh, yep. And Alex Jones is saying that this is a uh, a conspiracy uh, that the fake news sites, Google cracking down on the fake news sites, is so people will be forced to trust the mainstream media. That it, the mainstream media is well, that it is a he is saying that the fake news sites are a false flag operation done by the mainstream media in order to bolster right. the mainstream media. As someone who worked in mainstream media as a producer for you know about a year. Uh, by the way, uh, thank you so much. I mean for the people who heard the last podcast on the left episode, um, you will know I'm no longer producing at Fox News. I was able to uh, leave that position because we're working on so many great projects here at Cave Comedy Radio and, and uh, you know, expanding the brand even further to hopefully television at some point here in the near future. Let's hope so. Um, so thank you guys so much because because of the Patreon support and all the live shows, um, because of all your patronage and, and listenership, we I'm able to no longer have to produce at Fox News. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I'm going to say it's almost impossible to um, expect these television news channels or uh, for mainstream media to do anything other than the thing they're already doing, which they kind of are not doing great. They're not doing it well They don't all. have enough staff to make a n- fake news division. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense, you know? It, like yeah. there is, they, they are desperate for content. Any content they can get that is like reasonable, they're like, okay, let's use it. At no point are they like, we also have to spend and we have to hire 50 new people to make up bullshit. Yeah, and these uh, fake news sites, I read an interview uh, with, I think it was the Washington Post, which with one of these guys that runs like World Net Daily, one of the biggest oh, fake sure. news sites. U.S. Uncut U.S. Uncut, one. something yeah. like that. Uh, and he sounded so sad because he thought that he was the onion. 
he thought that he was playing a little joke on everyone. That he thought that he was going to put sure. these. He thought that he was going to put these stories out there, and then the all hmm. the Republicans were going to share them, and then it would come out that it was fake, and he'd go, "Ha ha, jokes on you." Right. Uh, but the second part didn't happen. The mm-hmm. first part happened. He right. said, put all of this fake news out there, this stuff uh, that is just full-on fake. It, there's no fun to it. There's no satire. There's no nothing. Right. Uh, and it poisoned people. And it he's did. just And the quote from him is like, they asked him, like, do you think you had something to do with Trump getting elected? And he just said, he said, I don't know, like six times. Like, yeah. just, I don't know. I don't know. He I was don't know. A, well, and let's stick talking about media right now. Let's uh, continue that discussion. Obviously, Steve Bannon, uh, he is a uh, he's a, a a massive issue right now for the Trump administration, the future Trump administration. People, uh, most of the boycotts that I've seen or the protests have been sort of predicated on the notion that Steve Bannon is a uh, white supremacist, is a anti-Semite, uh, anti-Muslim as well, um, anti-everything uh, in a lot of people's opinion. And uh, he is still a top advisor to the Trump administration. Of course, he was the former CEO of Breitbart. We talked about it on the last episode. People really want him to step down. I am sort of in a conflicted uh, space on this because I do agree he's a schmuck. He's a terrible person. But at the same time, isn't it better that we know who he is and where he is and how he had I mean, the fact of the matter is if he is not a a senior advisor to Trump or the Trump campaign. He's chief advisor. He's top advisor. Chief advisor. If he's not. He's a right-hand man. They still have cell phones. They're still friends. (laughs) It's not like they're going to stop communicating. Yeah, they're still going to be talking. I almost like him in that position because he's under the microscope. He's under the microscope. He's under the light. He's under the lens. There's a paper trail there. There's a paper trail. Exactly. If he goes away, you know, I mean. It, nothing changes in the, in uh, the regard of his opinions or his influence over Donald Trump. And again, I mean, Donald Trump for, uh, you know, obviously the individuals that you do have around you are influential in your decision making. But at the same time, he is his own entity. And I think he could, you know, he doesn't have to take everything that Steve Bannon says and, and actually put it into policy. But I totally understand and completely agree with the uh, concern and the worry that somebody like Steve Bannon in a position in the ear of the president of the United States is, is troublesome. However, getting rid of him from this position doesn't change the fact he's still in Trump's ear. Of course not, but again, it's the same thing. It's symbolic. You know, yeah. it, it's it's telling the alt-right that your man is in. It's telling the alt-right that your man is in the White House. Your God, the guy that tells you what to do, your hero, your example, yes. gets it, that gets you to the White House. Being like Steve Bannon and sure. acting like Steve Bannon and having those sorts of uh, those sorts of opinions, that shit gets you to the White that shit gets you places. Sure. It gets you into the White House and it gets you right next to the president. It's all about setting an example. Once again, it's all about setting an example. I think there was a little bit of misdirection uh, when it comes to the anger. Um, I mean, if you, but this is not new. For example, Obama in 2008, Van Jones, who is now all over CNN, and um, he's fairly good on television. I don't necessarily agree with him many times, but that's fine. Uh, he, but he was ousted from the Obama administration. I, I'm not sure the exact reason why that was. Uh, maybe you could find out, Marcus. It was he said something inflammatory or something that was considered to be not politically correct. And of course, uh, times have completely changed with President-elect Donald Trump regarding what rhetoric is uh, allowed in in the public square. But uh, with Steve Bannon, what he did with Breitbart, I completely understand. He made it a, a bastion for the alt-right. He, uh, he allowed um, certain commentators to really get a voice, uh, you know, and, and, and he did lead a sort of quiet internet revolution. I mean, it wasn't Stormfront, of course, the white supremacist group that was started by David Duke, but Breitbart is loved by David Duke. Yeah. You know, and so it's sort of this kind of... It's a Venn diagram. It is, and there is a large crossover. There's also, you know, Breitbart does... Uh, on occasion really published something that's interesting, though, and, and, and something that wasn't covered um, previously. And that was Andrew Breitbart's original plan. That's all he wanted to do was to cover things that were like, uh, being, you know, the, that were being um, completely swept under the rug of mainstream media. But then, of course, uh, when, when Breitbart died, Bannon took over and they had they had a lot of different um they had different theories and different political ideas and different ideas about what journalism should be. 
And of course, you know, with the death of Breitbart, Bannon was able to really get his way on that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know. So, you know, it's interesting. A lot of the protesters out there are extremely livid with Bannon. As a matter of fact, my friend Kat, who we know from Fox News, and she's been on the show many times, she went to a rally and she texted me uh, some funny things that happened at the Trump protest. And this is one of her uh, one of her texts at a Trump protest. Topless girl with a nipple ring and fake blood smeared all over herself just grabbed the mic to scream, Jesus was a faggot. <laughs> no idea what that means, but that that was... And then she told me, she told me on camera that she shaved the hair on her pussy in an H for Hillary Clinton, and that is bullshit, and that it's bullshit that she can't show it in public because she did it for nothing and it itches. <laughs> so there are... <laughs> there are it's interesting just, things happening at these Trump protests, but most of them are. Uh, Bannon is really, uh, you know, up there yeah. when it comes to the uh, the people who are being burned at the stake right now. And again, uh, I'm not I'm not defending the man. Yeah, boy, the left and the right. They, they, you just there's always those people you're just not sure with. You just don't know. <laughs> it's like, know. is she? Does she know? Is this I funny? Don't. Like, does, is she trying to be funny? Because if she is, she's fucking succeeding. I don't uh, know. It, you know, I I I am getting a little bit. I, I mean, I love, you know, people taking to the streets and protesting. It's, 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 it's as American as, you know, a, a 99-cent, uh, you know, breakfast burrito. But um, it does bother me a little bit. For example, the protesters in Portland will be in Portland December, what is it, 16th or 17th? Uh, 17th to 18th. Um, and, uh, no, it's the 16th. Seven, 17th. 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 Yeah. Um, but, you know, the protesters, 70% of them were not registered. Uh, that was the number that I heard. It might be a little bit lower than that. Or did not vote. And that really does bother me. If you're a mm-hmm. protester, if you're on, you know, social media tweeting about how angry you are regarding Trump's policies or the people that he's surrounding himself with, and if I know for a fact that you didn't vote, it does, you know what it does? Boil my blood. No, see, it rankles me. It rankles you? <laughs> it gets my blood. Bo- my- it rankles you? It rankles me. My blood is boiling. I'm getting rankled. Wow. <laughs> Difference I, of opinions. I, I agree. I agree completely. But it like, me. it's like it, it bothers the fuck out of me. Yeah. Protest, of course, of course, that is your right to do. You know, it's a, it's a, and you know, and protesting is your right whether you voted or not. You know, you by by virtue of being an American citizen, you can protest no matter what. It's good exercise. It's great exercise. Uh, but I am not going to take your protest as seriously if you did not do what is the base bare minimum civic duty which is to vote i agree on the president it does bother me when they vandalize their cities because most of these protests tend to happen in in liberal areas like portland or uh, baltimore they just ruin the places of the you know the population where they voted in what they perceive to be the right way yeah people get angry I understand, but if you do want to, I think there are more productive ways to do it. And again, going back to those, you know, text messages, people are all out there for random reasons. You never know the exact reason that people might be protesting. Some people are just out there because they like a crowd. They like a crowd. They want to find love. I don't know. Maybe it's a a bizarre sort of Tinder date, which is actually kind of a fun Tinder date, to be honest. Go protest. I mean, I know I went to Occupy for the first time trying to uh, get close to a lady. I never liked Occupy, but that's for a whole nother reason. Yeah. You want to know why? Why? They scared my chihuahua. <laughs> I was walking Gidget. Gidget, rest in peace. Oh, my God. Such a mean dog. Remember Gidget? I, yeah, I remember Gidget. I fucking hated that dog. I was a dog nanny for seven years. Best seven years of my life. And uh, in dog years, it, it was like 21 years. <laughs> I don't know. It was like more. I don't even know. Seven times seven's a big, that's a big number. Yeah, 49. Woo! <laughs> Gidget, I was walking Gidget, and she was old and sad and overweight. Mm-hmm. Very heavy. She was about a 10-pound chihuahua. Yeah, it was a big chihuahua. Lace her up. I mean, she was a football size. mean piece of shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that dog. Dog bit me so many... Bro- dog broke my skin. Yeah. Yeah. Great dog. Great dog. <laughs> and I was walking with her, and Occupy came down. This is in Wall Street. And uh, they, they turned the corner, and just Gidget just got so scared. And you know what I said? Your movement has issues. <laughs> You're scaring dogs. That's not a movement I can get behind. Any movement that scares a dog yeah. is not a movement I for think me. most movements scare chihuahuas. No. Nah, have you ever seen a dog at a tea party rally? They all have hats on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Halloween all over them. Fuck, man, you kind of make a point there. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the point you just made is, but I think you just made one. Well, that I think we should all. Tea party I think dogs, we should all think on that. We do have to think about it. Yeah. How much fun does a dog have at your political rally if they're wearing a hat and they look fun? Maybe think about that political ideology. <laughs>
<laughs> or maybe let's take some notes from them. Take notes. Take yes. notes. Take, yeah, treat, yeah. Yes. Um, speaking of the Tea Party, let's go on a little bit here. This fella, Tom Pompeo. Mm-hmm. Now, did we mention him yet? No, we haven't. Okay, Tom Pompeo, and we'll, we'll wrap it up. We're going to do our Alex Jones interview and our interview with Lewis here. Um, but Tom Pompeo, he is now, now what is the position that he has been given? It is, it's a CIA director. CIA director. No, it's not CIA. I believe it's, uh, it is national intelligence. Um, we'll find the exact position. But yes, uh, to your point, it is a very high uh, position. He'll be dealing with a lot of classified information. And um, it'll be fascinating to see. What his, uh, you know, what he's able to bring to the job. He's a Tea Party guy. Yeah, he's the CIA director. He's the head of the CIA. He's the head of the CIA. Yeah. Okay, I apologize. So he's the head of the CIA. Um, as we know, the CIA is extremely influential in our foreign policy, much more than the institution was ever meant to be. Um, the the power of the CIA has grown incrementally over the over the years, and they basically have been the um, Obama administration's war machine. Mm-hmm. You know, the drone war is a CIA project. Uh, project. You know, it's mostly led in... in um uh, it, it doesn't necessarily have to go through the same, you know, legality of other forms of war or uh, other, um, you know, uh, when, when the U.S. Is, is being an aggressor overseas. If it's taken care of by the CIA, the levels of secrecy are much deeper mm. and it's the transparency is much, much less. So that is a huge position. And this guy, Pompeo, he's a Tea Party uh, person. And again, um, we'll, we just have to see what they'll do. I don't think the CIA is really. Um, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't know what his. I don't. We we just don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he chooses to keep around. Is does this drone war just continue on the way that it's been going, or he does Probably. have a lot of power now? I don't see why the drone war is gonna. I, I don't see the drone war ending anytime soon. Well, unless Trump wants to put uh, some boots on the ground and yeah. uh, and and sort of take a more hawkish foreign policy in that regard, uh, we will see. Yeah. But either way, let's get to our interview with Alex Jones. Sure. All right. Well, Marcus, we got Alex Jones uh, with us here in studio. This is unbelievable. Uh, Alex Jones, now a lot of people uh, are calling you a statist. They're saying that you are now, uh, you're too involved in big government. Well, this is what the founding fathers always intended, uh, was for their citizens to become the government. That's what's happened here with uh, Trump, and I I am so excited to be a part of it. Uh, 1776 has commenced. Well, 1776 would imply a revolution against the government. Now you are a part of the government. Does that conflict with any of what you've been saying over the past years? Oh, no, I don't think I'll be doing any 180s whatsoever. It's all consistent with me. You know me, Kissel. Well, what about fluoride in the water? Look, the- I love it. I love it. <laughs> love fluoride. Like- give me another glass. <laughs> Burmus. Burmus, give me another glass of fluoride. I'll drink it all right now. Just drinking fluoride. But before, you were sort of against No, fluoride. I always loved it. You did always like it. I, have- I believe in fluoride supplements. I've uh, sold them on my show many times. Uh, fluoride, uh, you know, have you ever hmm. been to Scotland? You'll see, folks, we need fluoride in the water. Because they don't have it over there. Marcus and I know we were in Scotland. They could use some fluoride. You've seen their teeth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting. So, you know, we did an episode of Last Podcast on the Left, and we discussed uh, chemtrails at, at, at length. And, of course, your show has really been on the on the forefront of chemtrails and Absolutely. how they're really poisoning the American people no, and sort of no. brainwashing us. No, it's just vitamins. <laughs> so vitamin air vitamins. So, but you do... No, they're all good. So they're fine. They're fine. Yeah, love chemtrails. Love chemtrails. In fact, go ahead and YouTube uh, chemtrails, vitamins, good for you, uh, .gov. It's all there. It's all there. <laughs> so you've seen some documents. I've on seen it. the documents, yes. Yeah. I've seen all the documents. <laughs> now I have access to all the documents. I call up Donald on the phone. I'm like, hey, uh, I need to see some documents on uh, CIA. And he's like, yeah, CIA is doing a great job. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's doing a great job. So you staying in Austin? Uh, well, you know, uh, as much as I can, uh, but I do have uh, some engagements in Virginia, Langley, Virginia. <laughs> yeah, what's namely. happening? What's happening? Oh, no, there? nothing for me to talk about. Just the CIA is doing a great job. <laughs> so the CIA. So sort of, you know, what, what about, uh, you know, sort of uh, 9-11, obviously uh, yeah. Building 7 was a serious. Oh, Building 7? Never heard of it. <laughs> you never heard of Building Only two buildings fell that day, my friend. Now, what about what about the third building? I mean, there everyone, was no it third de- building. It, well, a lot of people think there was a third building that definitely fell. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, a uh, fascinating thing that, that I've learned at, at Langley School uh, is uh, that uh, steel beams totally can get melted by jet fuel. Did you guys know that? <laughs> I did, I, I, did you guys know that? Jet fuel really hot stuff, apparently. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not as hot as Ju- Justin Bieber's new album, though. Everybody should just buy in. 
GMO muffins and Justin Bieber. I'm so happy now. <laughs> yeah. Remember when I used to be all mad all the time? Yeah, you were angry, but what changed? I don't know. <laughs> is it, is it, nothing I mean, big. You've changed. No, I haven't. I actually have you've not. You've changed. I don't. That's all you've changed. I've seen the documents. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Mr. Jones. Where can people find your show? Oh, you can uh, find uh, me at uh, Infowars.gov. It's a <laughs> great new website. We really like everything we've done with it. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to hear what you do in the future. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you can check it out if you just YouTube. uh Getting a new job, uh, getting a new salary, and getting new security clearances, uh, and uh, Building 7. I will be looking into Building 7. That's where I'll be working from here on out. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. All right. Well, that was Alex Jones. In no way was that a fake Alex Jones. Absolutely not. That was absolutely our man, Alex. That was uh, Daddy, as they're calling him on the internet now. Oh, is that what they Are they seriously <laughs> calling him that? Yeah, I, I fucking love it. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, all right. So we got, like I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, this fellow, his name is Louis Laura. He call, uh, He emailed us. He's a DACA. Uh, he's a, uh, a child um, of DACA. Is that what the, a child of DACA? A dreamer is what they're calling a, a him. A dreamer. Yeah. And uh, obviously Trump's uh, victory has put his um, status in a lot of question. And so we wanted to get him on the show. And uh, it, I think it's an interesting interview and uh, his perspective and and uh, what he's going through with his family and his friends needs to be discussed. Um, and uh, we're just happy to you know be a part of the conversation with him. Totally. So, uh, yes, here's that interview. And thanks so much for listening. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show, Lewis. Sure. So the reason that we're interviewing Lewis, he sent us an email uh, to uh, to Marcus and myself, and it was an amazing email discussing how uh, he's an all-American boy, and uh, he came here at the age of six years old from El Salvador. He is now 21 years yeah. old, and what happened was uh, Barack Obama had a, a program called the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, and basically this allowed uh, individuals of immigrant parents uh, who came here to be here legally. Um, and uh, Louis, you are in America because of what is known as DACA, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so uh, with President Trump, of course, he's promised to deport 2.5 million immigrants right away. He's just going to do it bigly, uh, as he would say. And there are currently 750,000 immigrants, mostly Latinos, who uh, gave up all of their information to the government in order to sign up for the DACA program. Uh, they gave the government their information where they live, their, their full names, uh, the names of their families. And uh, now uh, President Trump unbelievable to say still, uh, has promised to do away with all executive orders created by Barack Obama or all orders created by Barack Obama, specifically regarding immigration, which would then obviously get rid of DACA. So, Lewis, just November 8th, you're watching television like all good, true-blooded Americans. Maybe you're drunk like all good, true-blooded <laughs> Americans or much like me. What did you think when you saw the returns come in and Donald Trump was then our president-elect? You know, it's definitely like a very, like, scary moment. Um, I say scary in a way, like, that, like, my future feels like it's uncertain at this point, you know? So, obviously, I've been here pretty much all my life. You know, I grew up here in the United States. So, I, in, in my eyes, you know, I see myself as an American, you know? Yeah. So, like, having somebody come and just, you know, pretty much tell you that you're not and you're going to kick you out of this country, like, that to me, like, that's scary to me. You know, it's scary for me. That's scary for my family. Right. So that's, you know, it's like a state of kind of fear that we're in right now, you know? Yeah, and, and describe your childhood a little bit, because that has been one of the issues with this um, with this election. The campaign rhetoric was so heated, and we really did lose a, a sense of humanity over the past right. year and a half. Uh, you know, it was an us versus them uh, narrative that was specifically strung by Donald Trump and his campaign. And, you know, they, they, they strung the narrative uh, together so well, it got him elected to the presidency. I want to know, how do you feel, number one, for uh, you were a wedge issue in this election, and, of course, then the people uh, decided that, um, that that rhetoric wasn't disqualifying for the presidency. How did that make you feel personally? And then talk about... Um, identity and you do identify as an american you've been here since you were six years old and your childhood i would assume it was just like anybody else who grew up in chicago right so for me like yeah obviously like here being in chicago like, I, and being in the united states like i just see myself as an american you know like pretty much all my friends you know they're american you know i we do stuff just 
regular, like regular stuff, you know. So it's like, I don't know. For me, it was just like once he got elected and, you know, all the things that he said about, you know, just immigration, you know, and about, you know, Mexicans in particular, it was just something that was like very, you know, hurtful in a way just because he's pretty much just singling you out as like a problem for like this country. You know, the problem that you didn't really see, you know, in yourself. Right. So, I don't know. I just, to me, it was just, you know, it was just like a really bad situation that, you know, I, I didn't think it was going to happen. You know, once he got elected, you know, I kind of went with um, my dad and we were just talking about like the future and like what, you know, what is going to happen if he ends up doing the things that he promised here, right? And so, so obviously... Yeah, go into no, the go conversation a little bit with your father because, you know, this is something that is strange to think about. Specifically, we do have to recognize that, um, you know, Marcus and myself have different realities and certainly at no point in any election cycles, to some degree Hillary, um, but really it was it – was, there was nothing, she wasn't on the books being like, we're going to deport white straight men. Uh, sometimes she said right. mean things about us and we were, we were our, uh, our feelings might have been a little bit hurt or something like that. What was that right. conversation like with your father? I mean, was he surprised 2016, the United States of America, um, the supposed bastion of freedom, was he surprised that he had to have this conversation with his son about deportation? Yeah. It was definitely a very, um, you know, sensitive topic that we were talking about, you know, so we were just, we were really saying about what would happen to us if, you know, the things that he does were to happen. So, obviously, back home, we have a house back in El Salvador, you know, which is, that would be, like, our place where we would go to, you know? But it just, like, you know, our life would just be totally different, you know? After just being here for so long, after, you know, being in the home that we're in right now, you know, we'd have to leave everything behind. And it's, like, starting fresh all over again, you know? And it's, like, something that's, like, it's not necessarily, like, you know, it's not really scary. Like, you know, we feel like we can do it. But it's, like, you know, it just, it just feels very unnecessary, you know? Like, it's something that, you know, we feel... It's just, like, unfair. You know, obviously, we came here to this country to start a better life, you know? And that's that's kind of what we've been trying to do. You know, we've, we've started from the bottom, you know, and kind of just slowly worked our way to where we are now. And now it's pretty much saw that, yeah, we're, you know, criminals in a way. And, like, that's just – it doesn't seem right to us, you know? So, yeah. you know, me and my dad were just, you know, we're just having these conversations as in, like, if it happens, you know, we'll be prepared – you know, we've got to stay ready, you know, and kind of go with the flow and see what happens, you know. And what, what I mean, have you found, um, you know, with your uh, status, with your immigrant status, have you found before the Trump campaign that people sort of, you know, were you were you an other? Or do you feel as if that has sort of been more normalized, as Marcus always does a great job of pointing out on, on the show, more normalized uh, behavior from people who do you, do you feel as if they're looking at you slightly differently now? So okay, so for me when so for me this image like this immigration topic is just very it's very uneasy to talk about, you know. So when I was younger, you know, I used to tell people that I was from a different country in order to avoid this conversation altogether. You know, it just felt like it was just an easier thing for me to do than to tell them like, yeah, you know, I'm from El Salvador and then, you know, have them follow up with a question, Oh, so were you born here or were you not? You know, so it was just easier for me to just say, like, oh, like, um, you know, from, like, Puerto or something and, like, kind of go from there because it was just an easier route for me because then I would avoid that conversation, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, That's you, kind of what I think. Do you feel now that you're speaking up more about it? Do you feel that you're you're talking more to people, just, you know, people that you know uh, about it ever since uh, Donald Trump has been elected? Yeah, it's definitely been something that, you know, it's been talked about more, like, especially, like, in my work, you know, so I'm a manager at the store and, you know, let's say that this happens to me, like take it without, right? You know, it's the conversation that I've had with like my associates and probably that, that if it's where to happen, you know, there's a reason for it happening and, you know, I have to leave, unfortunately. So, you know, it's tough to talk about a lot more. So, you know, we hear about, you know, of course, Barack Obama also uh, deported millions and millions of uh, of illegal immigrants, although there is some um, discrepancy with the term uh, "deport." What does that actually mean, and things like that? But he certainly has a had he he's had a smile on his face while pulling off some, I think, to be um, fairly insensitive, uh, you know, policies, domestic uh, policies when it comes to immigration. When Donald Trump talks about deporting 2.5 million people, now you you would be uh, obviously. 
someone that would actually, you know, receive the uh, – you, you would be, uh, you know, impacted. What does it actually look like? And when you think about, like, what does deportation mean to you? What does it look like? Do they come to your door? Are you concerned about them packing you guys up and, and putting you on a plane and flying you back to El Salvador? Or how does that, how does that process work? Do you have any insight on that? Um, that's, I don't really know how, like, whatever, like, how it happened. But to me, and, like, what scares me is that, you know, they would take away this ability for me to work. You know, obviously, that could, has done some really great things for it. You know, it's not just me, but my family and, like, you know, a bunch of, you know, immigrant families, you know. So, like, I feel like for us, the scarier part would, you know, have it be that basically with this program. And then what do you do after that? You know, obviously, you know, you can maybe do, like, you know, get yourself a fake social security number or something. Like, that's obviously not a route that we would want to take just because then, you know, if we get caught or something like that happens, like, you know, we would be even more trouble, you know. So, like, for us. I feel like it'd just be easier for us to just get, you know, kicked out than have us, you know, have our eligibility work and then kind of go from there, you know? Right. Like, well, I, I think that's what it's going to be. That's what's going to be the actual uh, outcome of all this is that I don't think there's going to be a mass deportation force where they're going to get shock troopers to run through Chicago and grab everybody out and, you know, put right. them into internment right. camps and then throw them over uh, back to their country. I think what's going to happen is he's all he's going to do is he's going to remove the ability to work from all of these people. And so you're just mm. going to have a bunch of unemployed people. Right. So going back a little bit, uh, when your father and your mother came here, um, they decided to do DACA, obviously, you know, years later. Um, I would assume previously they were undocumented uh, immigrants, correct? Yes. And then so when Obama extended this olive branch and they, you know, trusted the administration um, that this would be for their greater good, do they, have they expressed any remorse or regret for trusting the government? I mean, it does seem like this is a, this is a real, this, this is a slap in the face. I mean, this is really... This is a really offensive thing. They they put their trust in an institution, and now that institution right. has turned their back on them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with like when we went through this whole process, you know, we kind of had an understanding that you know, obviously, Obama's not going to be in term, you know. So like, if someone else were to get like elected and like have this removed, you know, we kind of understood that going forward, you know. So like, obviously, we didn't think it'd be happening like right away. Maybe it'd happen a couple years from, or you know, a couple more years from now, you know, obviously. But, you know, now that it's just happening so soon, like, that's, that's the scarier part, you know. So we already knew, like, going forward, it's like, this could be a possibility. But, yeah, you know, we just didn't think it would happen too soon, you know. When you were watching John- Donald Trump's rise, I mean, he never really dipped in the polls. It was just a phenomenon that was so fascinating to to see if you can just, you know, step out and, you know, forget that he's about to be the leader of the free world. What was your right. emotion like? What was your house emotion like during the year and a half that he was running for office? Because, I mean, his first, you know, the first public speech he gave, he accused Mexicans of being rapists. So what was your, right. uh, what, what was the temperature of the room in your living room while you would watch the, you know, nightly news? Yeah, I would say at first it was just like a very, like, heated feeling. Like we were just in, like I said, a shock that somebody that's running, being president, you know, is allowed to say all these things, you know? Like it's just something that you wouldn't ever expect, especially from, like, such a prestigious, like, country like this is, you know, like, I feel like everybody kind of looks up to the United States, you know, so, like, when somebody's running to be president, so, you know, the outlandish things that he says, obviously, like, people kind of take you as a joke, so for us, we were kind of just in this, like, state of shock, we're like, wow, like, I can't believe this guy's actually saying this stuff, like, people are actually, like, listening to him, you know, right. but, like, as time went on, and, you know, he kept saying more of these ridiculous things, you know, we kind of started feeling a little more comfortable, like, there's no way he's going to get elected, you know, but just, there's just no way, you know, and then come election time, he gets elected, it's just, like, a shock, like, it was a big shock, you know, uh, you know, I was at work, and then out of work, I'm just listening to the radio, like, Trump, he's getting more and more states, you know, and then it was, like, the race between, like, Pennsylvania and Michigan, Wisconsin, and I was just thinking, like, there's just no way, you know, so I find it home, you know, I'm watching the rest of the stuff with my dad, and then we just see he went all these days, and we're like, crap. Like, yeah, what now from there? Yeah, yeah did, like, did you say your father was crying? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, you know, that was a, that was an emotion that, um, you know, that would, that seemed to be a very real emotion to, for a lot of Americans. I mean, I heard stories of, 
you know, granted, these are, uh, I believe it was a comedian that told me this, uh, so he was a bit dramatic, but uh, he did say right. that he vomited. I mean, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was his personal experience. People did have a real emotional reaction to Trump's victory. Right. Now, you said in the email that you were a fan of, like, Alabama football. You're an all-American boy. Um which right. means you might be a serial killer, by the way. So be very careful <laughs> throwing that term around. Do you have any less, um, I don't know if love is the right word. Respect. Yeah, respect, love. Uh, you know, do you feel like you have a, a, you know, with Alabama football, for example, you, you go tied, you know, that's what you're into. Do you feel like less connected to that somehow now? Yeah, yeah. So ever since like that, it's just like, you know, like, there's definitely a, a huge disconnect, you know, like, I don't think I can ever picture myself going to, like, a place like Alabama now, after knowing that this country is so, like, in the state of, like, you know, I don't want to say, like, racist, but I don't know what else, you know, I could say. And people you know, are all like, right, I just, I don't know, I just don't, I can't picture myself going down there right now, after all this stuff happened, you know, or after all this stuff happened, so it's like, you know, for me, it's better off staying here in Chicago, going to school here, and getting my degree here, than it would be like going down south somewhere. You know, like it just like it'd be, it just wouldn't make sense for me to go down there. You know, right. I mean, that's one of the sad ironies about this whole thing is, ironically, I mean, my father's an immigrant from Germany, and he loved assimilation. He <laughs> loved it. He could not get enough of America and American culture and losing his right. German accent as quick as humanly possible. That's the sad uh, irony is the majority of immigrants that do come to this country come here out of an immense amount of love, and all they want right. to do is to be a normal American, um, as they've been right. told, uh, as, as they, you know, they, they want to buy into the brand that they've been sold their entire life. And the sad irony right. about something like uh, Donald Trump and you know, getting rid of DACA is that it's gonna, it, it forces people to, to not feel American. Right. And that's what people also don't understand, you know, with a lot of this, like, deportation thing. You know, I, I don't even really know what sort of picture people have in their minds when they think of immigrants, when they think of Latino immigrants here in America. But the reality is, is that most of these people are just regular dudes, just right. regular Joes, man. Like, just people that you say hi to in the street uh, that, you know, go to the same coffee shop as you like every single morning. Uh, they're just regular people and that's who these policies are going to affect it's just regular people on the street right and like i have a ton of friends you know that are like obviously under this program and you know it's just something that we've talked about that you know like honestly like if you just look at us we just look like normal kids you know we we all pretty much grew up together you know and it's just like it's just so weird to just be labeled as like something that you feel you're not you know right like you you're not a criminal, you know, like we, we don't feel like criminals at all. You know, we just feel like normal people. And now, you know, this president likes telling everybody that we're just a bunch of criminals. And like, I don't know, just, it just doesn't feel right to us, you know? Yeah. And talk about that a little bit. I'll, and we'll let you go here soon. I would like to hear your, uh, what you want to, what your final thoughts are, what you really want to let the American people know uh, about, okay. uh, you know, uh, who you are as a person and who your community is and specifically people involved with DACA. But what are those conversations like with your friends? Because again, you know, these are conversations I just don't have with my friends because I don't have to have them. And so it is right. an interesting, um, it's interesting to hear your insights on it. What are those conversations like with your friends? I would assume if I was one of your friends, I would be extremely pissed off. And I would probably say yeah. a series of horrendous things about the U.S. government. Right. Like, for us, like I said, you know, we're just more afraid of the fact that they're going to take away this ability for us to work like that. The right to work. That for us is just like... Yes, like that's that's literally all we want to do. We want to go to work so we can just pay for school, pay for like our bills. You know, like I feel like if you know when they take this away or if they take this away, like it's just gonna be like a big old slap in the face. You know, like we just want to be successful. You know, especially my best friend. You know, my best friend, me and him, we're both under this program, and obviously for us, like we're we know we'll be fine if we you know get kicked out of this country. You know, like it's obviously not something that we're okay with, but. We know we'll be fine. We're both very smart. Mm -hmm. We both like, you know, business. We both know we're going to be okay, you know. But it's just like, it's just like a very, you know, it's just like a very idiotic thing that you can take out 
people from this country that are just willing to work and just will, willing to just do whatever to be successful, you know? And I feel like this country should value people like that. But yeah. I guess that's not the way he sees it, like Donald Trump. So, you know, it's just like a big slap to the face. Like, you know, we want to work so hard, but then he doesn't see the value of that, you know? Right. Right. You know, I mean, that is, you know, it really is. It's all the same. Um, you want no, you stuff. want nothing different than what the vast majority. I mean, what anybody who was born here wants. How more than what most people who were That's born it. here want. Because you know, you know immigrants, uh, just because they, uh, you know, they, they they do tend to be much harder workers. Mm-hmm. They don't take anything for granted. You know, I mean, that right. was what my father always instilled in me. Um, he was a truck driver. You know, working seventy hours a week. He was just thrilled to be here. You know. Right. Um, so. So you feel as if you are actually, you know, as far as the DACA program goes, you're actually one of the lucky ones in a sense. I'm sure there are people who are uh, maybe less intelligent or less educated or just maybe they have a less, um, you know, financial means. And those individuals are are really, um, I guess, screwed for lack of a better term, huh? Right. So tell us uh, just before you go, like, what do you want, like, if you could uh, tell our listeners how to broach this subject with their legislator or with their friends, just how do we, uh, like, talk to us a little bit about um, what's what's the message that we should send to the people regarding this program, and what narrative would you like to see put forth that protects your rights? I mean, all you did was do exactly what the government requested you to do. You did everything by the books, which is so ironic that this program could be cut because you did everything right. What do you want? Right. I mean, how, how do we how do we make sure that DACA is protected and people like you and your family are allowed to stay? Well, obviously, you know, we want to keep the conversation going. You know, we want this to just be, you know, a topic that doesn't go away because if this is something that goes away, it's something that we're not going to care about. And, you know, maybe we won't, we won't see any change into like what Trump has had and, you know, we'll get this DACA program taken off, you know, which is not what we want. You know, we obviously want to stay here. You know, we're not criminals. That's that's far from it. We're hardworking people just like everybody else. We, we all have a dream of being successful. And, you know, I feel like that's that's something that we should pursue. Like, this this is the land of opportunity, right? You know, so, like, if they take away this, you know, like, what are we really saying about America? You know, this is really the land of opportunity. You know, right. so I just want to, you know, let people know that we're just, we're just regular people, you know, like you could, you know, you could have a coworker that's under this program, you might not even know it, you know, so like for us, you know, just, we just want to feel like people, you know, like that's what we feel we are with you guys, but it's obviously not that way, you know, so we just want to say that we're equal, you know, we're just hardworking people just like you are and you know, I just really hope that this program doesn't go away. You know, like, this scares me that it can go away and then I don't have a way to pay for school, right. you know, pay for my bills. And, you know, I just don't feel like that's right. You know, I just, I want to stay here. Like, this is my home. This has been my home for ever. You know, I just, I don't see myself ever, or I don't see myself ever wanting to go back to El Salvador, you know. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't know. That's just the way that's I can it. put it. I, just, I don't know what else to say. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Lewis. We really enjoyed hearing your story. And, you know, there's millions and millions and millions of people uh, in your situation in this country who need to be heard more than ever before. And, you know, we're going to keep on it. You know, we're trying to do our best, uh, the best we can, um, specifically with this immigration thing at this time, because it was so unbelievable what what the lies that were spread around. Um, regarding some of the hardest working people in this country, it was it was it was uh, right. it's not right, and it shouldn't be normalized, and we need to keep on it. Um, so thank you so much right. for calling in, and and uh, you know tell your family hello, have your father listen. <laughs> well, do thank you guys so much for you know giving me a chance to just kind of speak my mind, you know, because I feel like I will, I'll be speaking kind of other people, you know, so it's like our voice can be heard a little bit, you know, so I really appreciate you guys. Yeah, absolutely, and let's stay, let's stay in touch. Always email us, and we'll, we'll have you back on, and, and hopefully it'll be under really positive, happy circumstances when uh, DACA stays, and uh, we'll do our best to make sure that it does. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, dude. We'll talk to you soon. Later. All right, bye. Um, all right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. I mean, I thought that was a that was a great interview, Marcus. It was. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. Again, bottom of my heart, um, 
thank you so much for all the listeners, uh, you know, for, for being a listener and, and for engaging on the on the Facebook page. Go to Able Against Top Hat. Uh, you know, you can find that on Facebook, and uh, you can find Marcus Parks on Twitter, at Marcus Parks. You can find him on Instagram, on Instagram, at Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel on Twitter, so t- uh, tweet at me, and I'll try to respond as many times as possible. I never I never want to be mean. Sometimes I, I said something to somebody that got all upset. I, I didn't mean it. You know, you know, people read things in their own in their own mind. Um, so yes, please uh, tweet at me. You can also find me on Instagram at Ben Kissel One, but I still don't know how to use it. Um, yes, and of course uh, I want to thank Alex Jones for being on the show as well. So uh, what do you think, Marcus? Is that it? I think that's it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Have a great time. Try to um, have dinners go okay. Yeah. And don't you, get into fights. Get into conversations. That's a good point. And if you do have to get into a fight, that's also kind of fun. But make sure it's physical. <laughs> you know, because those are... Beating up your uncle sounds like a great time. God, I've got an uncle that I want to beat up so bad. Everyone does. I've, oh, Everybody does. Everybody does. That's it. He's much uh, bigger than I am. Yes, don't do that. You can always you can always beat people in conversation if you just use rationality. Uh, rationality is always on your side. Um, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And, uh, you know, we beat Glenn Beck and Hannity, you're next. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. That's like yeah. Bill Goldberg. Yeah, you're I next. <laughs> I want to be Hannity more than I want to be Glenn Beck. I know. Glenn Beck is kind of a nice... Yeah, like he's Glenn g- Beck's like beating Doink the Clown. <laughs> Doink was tough. I love Doink and Dink. Remember Dink? I remember Dink. Yeah, yeah. great yeah. character. Oh yeah, yeah. Hannity, that's like Yokozuna. Ooh, he's tough. Yeah. He murdered a man in the ring. He did. He actually did. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to CaveComedyRadio.com. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.